I'm Aaron Sagers, and this is Talking Strange. Aloha, spooky nerds. Welcome to Talking Strange, a paranormal pop culture podcast and live stream show with the Den of Geek Network. As always, I'm your host, Aaron Sagers, paranormal journalist, author, researcher of all things weird. It's currently seen on Travel Channel and Discovery Plus's Paranormal Caught on Camera. Now, on August 21st, that's a Sunday at 9 p.m. on Travel Channel and same day on Discovery Plus, there is the new series launching called Ghosts of Devil's Perch. Let me tell you a little bit about it. According to the official synopsis, a mystery is buried beneath the streets of Butte, Montana, and the spirits tethered to the, to the historic mining town's past are rising to the surface with clues. The discovery of copper in the 1800s turned Butte's copper barons into some of the wealthiest men in America, but the hills that glittered in the sun could also cast sinister shadows of greed and vice at night. This led to the mountain town being branded the Devil's Church, the Perch, not church, although that also sounds cool. With the town now intent on rebuilding its image, it seems every renovation project is digging up a paranormal nightmare with residents and businesses reporting terrifying ghostly encounters. And in an unlikely partnership, the mayor, J.P. Gallagher, and Sheriff Ed Lester have called in an elite team of paranormal investigators to help. Now, who leads that elite team? So glad you asked, because it's my guest today, who is an experienced paranormal investigator, a host of the popular paranormal podcast, The Paranormal 60, with Dave Schrader. Uh, Dave Schrader is also the co-author of the book, The Other Side. He's been featured everywhere. Several hit paranormal television series, Ghost Adventures, Paranormal Challenge, Paranormal State, Fright Club, Haunted Hospitals, uh, the lead investigators of The Shock Doc, The Curse of of Lizzie Borden, and of course, he was the lead investigator on The Holzer Files. And he's also a good friend of mine, and and I think it's worth saying that uh, not only is he well-known in the paranormal community as an investigator, but also as a hell of a nice guy and an incredible host and a dear friend I've known for something like 15 years now who really welcomed me into the paranormal community at his events. And for that, I am always appreciative and loyal so, yes, he is now leading the team in the new show, Ghost of Devil's Perch. And here he is, Mr. Dave Schrader. Hey, buddy. Hey, it is good to see you again, Alan. And thank you for having me on this show. <laughs> uh, we, are, we are such good friends. Yeah. I remember you the first time I met you, Alan, back in <laughs> 2007. Yeah, Aaron, good to see you, man. You know the trick when you uh, when you refer to famous people as your friend is to come uh-huh. up with other nicknames for them. Be like, yeah. Oh, are you, do you know Dave Schrader? Oh yeah. Davey, Davey boy, my old, yeah. old D man, you know, it's Dave the wave. Yeah. Dave that's the wave. Yeah. That's how you know that, uh, your friendship is real. So, uh, good to see you D man. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit. Well, how have you been? I mean, it's been a while since we've done one of these things, sure. uh, in the interview space. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been an exciting five years, uh, even with the downtime of 
of, uh, you know, I don't want to go back into it, but the pandemic, uh, there was still a lot to be learned and a lot of fun to be had with family mm-hmm. and friends and finding new ways to connect. And uh, I'm glad that we've been able to do that. Uh, when I was on the Holzer Files TV show, we were the first, as I understand, the first TV show period in production. So we were the actual canaries in the coal mine as they sent mm-hmm. us back out into the into the filming world and once they saw that we survived the first three or four episodes we filmed they they released the hounds and the world could go back so you everybody can thank me in the entertainment industry me and tom cruise were making it safe for all the rest of the world yeah yeah it's uh and uh, i'm glad that i'm glad that that's your take and not that they view to you as expendable no, no, they just knew that if there was one guy that could toe the line and keep everyone safe and Tom Cruise wasn't available, the next guy on that list is Dave Schrader. So I was there and, uh, you know, we all survived it. So that's a plus. We did. Yeah. And here we are. Here we are. Uh, well, when, um, just to give kind of some, some context, the Ghost of Devil's Perch, when did this production film? When were you out on the road for this? We were out last year filming this series and, uh, wrapping it up and I'm, I'm champing at the bit to get back out there. I, you know, they're, they're still having a few things happen and I would love to go back to Butte and see if we could uh, dig a little bit deeper. It seems like based on your social media posts, you were out there for a long period of time. Was that Mm -hmm. the longest stretch that you've been in one kind of location, even though it involves multiple locations? Yeah. Yeah. Being spread out, you know, in, in Holzer Files, we were all over, you know, East Coast, West Coast, Pacific, Northwest, um, Midwest, and this putting us in one town. And it's for, for viewers that may not be familiar, there was a show Ghosts of Shepherdstown, which was season one and two with uh, Nick Roth and Elizabeth Saint. And then season three became Ghosts of Morgan City with Sarah Lemos and uh, uh, Jeremy Leonard. And of course, Ben Hansen is the lead investigator and Katie Stafford was one of their guests that came on three or four episodes to help them build some experiments. And we are now considered season four, the ghosts of Devil's Perch. And uh, it's myself and Cindy Kaza, the medium from the TV show, The Holzer Files, rolled over, along with KD Stafford, uh, the mad scientist of the paranormal, has joined us as a full-time staffer. And we, uh, we set out to try to understand the haunting and history of Butte, Montana. And what a crazy place. I mean, you cannot walk down the street without feeling the energy of, of that town. Well, yeah, with that in mind, what makes it so special and infamous? I kind of teased a little bit of that in the mm-hmm. official synopsis, but from your take, what makes this town? Yeah. So, so different, so special. You know, the rest of the world was chasing gold and silver, and this became like the copper capital of the of the world for a while. And people came here in droves to try to have um, this, you know, new life for themselves. And it was a mining town and a brothel town, which is the perfect mixture come together, right? And uh, it was booming. It was booming. I think I, I can't remember the amount of people that lived there, but it was insane how many people lived there during its height. And unfortunately, when you're in that environment with mining and brothels and kind of that Wild West attitude, there was a lot of death that took place and a lot of greed and crazy things. And, you know, that led to this ground really kind of being saturated in the blood, sweat and tears of the people that lived there and and tried to make a living so their spirits are quite unruly 
and looking to be heard. And now they're doing all of this kind of revamping of the city. They're trying to re, you know, vitalize the neighborhoods in the town. And you, you know, when you start building and and tearing down and recreating, that can stir up the spiritual realm pretty good. Yeah, it. I I will say to our viewers and listeners that I've seen the first couple episodes of the show, and it really does feel like this clash of the living and the the present and the past, the living and the dead, Mm -hmm. these people that are trying to move forward with revitalizing this town and, and the past that won't let go. Right. That's a, that's a fair assessment of it. And then you've also got that, you know, there are a lot of these characters that were lost to time. They were a footnote in somebody else's story, but their story was just as important and they had, every reason to be remembered. And that's what I love working with Cindy Kaza is a medium. She knows how to tap into that environment with, with KD and the experiments he built and the historians and the experiencers and people we were able to speak to. We really were able to help give voice to the spirit realm and deliver that history the right way. At least I hope we do. That's, that's what we set out to do. Right. Well, I mean, I would say that your effective, thus far with what I've seen, because I want to, I want to preview, but I also want to tease this without spoiling what the, uh, what we see with the show, but can you set up some of these characters that do come into play early on? Because they do Mm -hmm. seem like larger than life people that could be the basis for a movie, honestly. Right. Well, you've got the copper Kings themselves that are, you know, they, they built this town and although they were progressive and helped to expand and, and make this town bigger, they did it on the backs of, of the working class. And, you know, as business does, the, the rich got richer and the, the poor struggled to make the rich richer. And that's kind of what this town was. Um, and, you know, when you've got blocks of brothels to try to take care of that were working in 24-hour shifts to help all of the miners, uh, A, with their money and with their needs. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of chaos that just took place in that town. So you've got you've got the voices of some of the business owners. You've got the voices of the copper barons. You've certainly got the voices of the disenfranchised and forgotten. Um, so there's there's just this great myriad of tapestry of of characters that Butte delivers. And I really feel that we were able to tap into that, communicate with these spirits, and have some meaningful moments. Uh, I, I will say this series, after doing two series of Holzer Files, which I I love that paranormal show. That is my favorite paranormal show ever to have watched because I just, I, I like that it was a different vibe and a different feel. Um, it, to step into this realm really kind of gave me a new appreciation and new experiences. And for those people that saw me on the Curse of Lizzie Borden special that came out, um, with Chris Fleming and Sam Beltrusis and Luann Jolly, I had something happen to me during that where I opened myself up spiritually and psychically, something I had never done to that extent before. And it really impacted and affected me. But I never thought afterwards what to do to kind of close that down and then went immediately off to go start filming, you know, Ghosts of Devil's Perch. So I have a couple of really deeply impactful moments 
um, that kind of shook me to my core physically, mentally, and spiritually and played out, uh, you know, in a sense, kind of embarrassingly for me because I wasn't prepared for what happened. And then I called Chris Fleming and talked to Cindy Kay's on set and they're like, well, yeah, when you opened up that that Pandora's box on the Curse of Lizzie Borden, you kind of opened yourself for this new renaissance in your life, and you've got to learn to start to come to terms with it. And I'm by no means a psychic medium now, but I'm certainly a lot more attuned to things. And that, you know, that opening rift that, that I had created for me at the Lizzie Borden house uh, spills over into the series. And, and I have some uh, moments that certainly left me scratching my head. Uh, left me very emotional and uh, physically changed. Yeah, I mean, you've, uh, and that was something I was going to get to later, but let's just talk about it a little bit about the mm-hmm. the personal impact of this show and these other shows. You've been doing this for a long time mm-hmm. and have appeared in so many different programs. I, I don't know. It's just kind of, I don't know what the question is so much. Is it surprising to me that you've been doing this for a long time? And then there was this radical shift with the curse of Lizzie Borden that now carries over to this. Uh, I mean, did, did something change with you in your life before curse of Lizzie Borden? Was there something that like laid the groundwork to then open up on Lizzie Borden to then have this kind of experience, which I'm not going to spoil it, but there is a pretty significant experience early on with Dave uh, in the Ghost of Devil's Perch. Was there something else that was going on that 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 paved the way for these other paranormal experiences? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I kind of, without giving anything away, because I know that I'll, uh, everybody's like, no, give it away. We want to watch a show, but we want right. to know. Trust me, it's a great show. It's very impactful, very interesting with what and how the spirits wish to come through. Um, But I think, you know, I've been steeped in this my whole life. I've had paranormal experiences surround me and grew up in a haunted house. And now I've, you know, for the last 18 years have been uh, injecting myself into the histories of places like Eastern State and, you know, penitentiary, Mansfield Reformatory, the old Ohio State uh, prison and uh, Joliet State Prison in Illinois and um, Queen Mary and and Waverly Hills, Rolling Hills. You know, uh, I've been all over going to these places, putting myself there. And people will ask me, do you ever bring anything home? And because I'm not mediumistic in the sense that I can't look and go, oh, it's a ghost of Aaron Sagers from Florida. I was just there. Now I know where you came from. I might have activity start up at home, but I don't know that I'm necessarily bringing something with me from that haunted location. I, I kind of liken it to if you take a paper clip on its own, it's not magnetic, right? You can touch it to metal things. It does nothing. But if you take a giant magnet and rub the paper clip against it, like a haunted location and a Dave Schrader and put it in there for a while, mixing into that energy and then take it out. Now you could take that paperclip three rooms away and touch it to another paperclip and maybe even a third or fourth. And you've got this magnetic touch, this, this sense that, that travels with you. And I think that that happens, you know, as a perfect example, when I was filming Holzer files season two, I came home between episodes and uh, I saw my neighbor, my neighbor's wife was pulling into the driveway. Also, I guess my neighbor, but uh, I didn't know her as well. <laughs> and I saw her coming out and she's unloading bags. And I said, Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. And she kind of gave me this shocked look. I go, how's everything going? And she set her bags down and she came over and she goes, didn't you hear my husband died? 
I said, no. And I literally was just getting home. No. She goes, yeah, he, he took the dog for a walk, came home, sat on the couch. I went out for a 20 minute bike ride and I came back and he was gone. He just expired on the couch. You know, he always saw my car with the darkness radio logos and my paranormal stuff. And he watched the first season of Holzer Files and we'd always talk to each other over the backyard fence. And, oh, I got to tell you about my experiences sometime. I've got to, and we never got that chance to talk, really talk about his thoughts on the paranormal. And I got home that night and strange things started happening, banging on the side of the house that faced his house. At one point, my wife and I both turned our heads because we saw something move in our kitchen both at the same time, a figure. And we turned and I looked at her and she looked at me and I go, did you just see that? Or was, and she goes, yeah, somebody just walked through our kitchen and I addressed the neighbor and I said, Hey, you know, I'm sorry you're gone. I'm sorry. We never got that chance to to speak, but this is my home man. this is my sanctuary. You have to leave. You know, if you want to mm-hmm. talk to me, hit me out in the yard while I'm mowing someday and we'll talk, you know, but the, this is not right. And I don't want you scaring my family. And it never happened again. So I don't know if it was something I brought with me from, you know, the location I just come from, or if my neighbor saw me and came over to mingle, or was it somebody, you know, spirit at the airport, or I don't know. I don't know where it all comes from, but I know that the more you do this, the more open you become to this. And I think you like the, the paperclip minding its own business and bumps up against the powerful magnet now walks away and it's got that attraction. I think that's what happens to a lot of us in this field is we start yeah. to attract, you know, the laws of attraction come into play. It's, I, I still find it funny though, that it would happen not year two or year five, but you know, a decade and a half of doing this professionally and, and then, mm-hmm. you know, more than, you know, well into your lifetime of being fascinated that there was something that was happening at that age, at this age, as opposed to that age. That's, that's the thing that I find interesting. It's also, well, I've always, I've always been open yeah. to it to a degree, but now as my kids have gotten older and they're no longer little children, my youngest son is now 13, you know, he's a teenager. I'm not as protective as I once was, and I'm, I'm more open to these experiences. So I think the more open you become to them. Uh, you know, it's always been there. And I've had a lot of my psychic and mediumistic friends go, you've got a gift. You just are, you're not embracing it fully. Yeah. And and then I always felt kind of like the charlatan, like if I start to embrace it now, does it look weird that all of a sudden I'm a medium and I can see and talk to the dead? Uh, does that feel like pandering? So I've been very cautious with how I relay, how I experience these things. But I also, I still haven't thrown myself open like Cindy Caso or Sarah Lemos or Chip Coffee or Chris Fleming. You know, I, I've, I still want to have kind of that protective barrier between me and them as much as I'd like to have it. I see how it overwhelms Cindy and some of my other mediumistic friends. And you've been with me at these big events and you watch, sometimes you watch the mediums have to pull back from people and just vanish for hours because it gets so overwhelming. And I don't want, I don't know that I want that. Yeah. I, I I'm with you on that. I think I kind of like the lane that I move in and then when right. stuff happens, I like being able to say, well, compartmentalizing, no, I'm going to pack that up. And then, you know, I don't know that I want that full openness that our some of our friends like Chris Fleming experience, because Mm -hmm. it, I mean, it's great talking to him about it. I don't think it's so much great when he's telling me about like, Oh, I was, you know, I was watching uh, the Watchmen on HBO and then this weird thing. I'm like, Nope. Like, see, I would rather just watch the Watchmen, you know, (laughs) just finish the show. Yeah. Right. So, but yeah. I know, 
I know you've become less protective over the years simply because you just said a moment ago when you dealt with a ghost in your house, your response was, hey, go, you know, talk to me later when I'm mowing my lawn, when I'm operating heavy, like major piece of machinery with <laughs> with blades on it. Come yeah. talk to me then, ghost. Yeah, well, then, you know, at least it's it's on the ground and covered. Aaron, I'm not in the kitchen chopping broccoli and all of a sudden there's the headless horseman and off goes a limb. So I, you know, I'd rather it's outside in my yard. I've always made the rule in my home. If spirits are there, don't bother my children and leave me alone in the bathroom. Those are my two, two main demands to the spirit realm. Uh, you know, although the bathroom is the one place you don't mind it getting scared out of you, but I just don't think that, the, you know, that there's just something vulnerable about being in the shower and realizing there's a ghost with you. Yeah, which I've actually weirdly had one of those experiences. It was in the shower, but the more helpful bathroom ghost would be if you run out of the toilet paper and you yeah. don't have an extra roll. Then you'd be like, all, all right. You see, you see a roll come. <laughs> you just see the roll come hobbling along. Why do you have a roll of toilet paper if you're doing an interview, Dave Schrader? Because you know what? This is also my setup for my show, The Paranormal 60. And sometimes I get into emotional conversations with people talking about ghosts, and I need something to dab my eyes. So I've got my uh, my ghost paper handy. It just makes me times. wonder what's really behind our virtual background. <laughs> <laughs> the squatty potty makes for a great microphone stand yeah, is all I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Uh, back to back to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, back the, uh, in Butte. Yeah, back in Butte, not but. Uh the let's these locations, uh mm -hmm. the, the travel channel when they send out the press release, they they tease out rival mine owners, lovers resorting to violence, alcohol mm -hmm. or vice fueled horrors lurking in the town's past. So you know, we've been to places like Virginia City, amazing location, and there's mm -hmm. other like sort of western towns out there that are either mining towns, silver mining, this is copper mining. Was there anything in particular that as you were just kind of moving through the Devil's Perch that you just you were like this is different than the all these other places I've been to? Well, yeah, because, you know, um Boy, how do I say this without giving stuff away and getting myself in trouble? So it's it's an entire ho uh, town steeped in the supernatural. It's not like every, you know, in every town and every village around the world, there's that one haunted house or, or mm -hmm. spooky forest, right? And people will go to San Diego to see the Whaley House. They'll go to Long Beach to see the Queen Mary. They'll go to Louisville, Kentucky to see Waverly Hills. But when you go and you get off the plane in Butte, Montana, and you're met by a, a cemetery right there with evil Knievel and awful Knoffel, both of them buried there, uh, you know, that sets the precedent. You've got just as many dead people as you do living in that town. And you start walking the streets and you can feel that vibe. And then everybody has a story to tell. I, um, I had to I had to visit the hospital at one point, not the closed hospital that's well known to be haunted, but I I had to pay a visit to the regular hospital. And while I was there being checked out, um, the nurses and doctors came in and they're like, "So are you in town filming this new ghost show?" And I'm like, "I can't confirm or deny that, you know, which is so shady to say anyway." And then they started telling me about the ghosts in the hospital that they've all encountered. 
and have seen on multiple occasions. And it was one story after another, after another. And this, I didn't go there looking for a ghost story. I went in to get checked to make sure something hadn't happened, something bad. Um, so it was, you know, wherever you went in the town, somebody had a story to share. Somebody had seen something or felt something or heard something. And that's different. I mean, it's, it's in this kind of basin and there was so much violence and death and tragedy that took place there that I think it's a, it's a perfect storm of locations. You know, you've got all the special mineral deposits, you've got underground water, you've got, um, you know, blood, sweat, and tears soaked into the ground. I think it's created the perfect template to walk into, you know, a real Twin Peaks kind of town, a real Adams family home, you know, the Munsters home. It's, it's not just one, you're there and everything around you is out of place. Um, so it's, it's, Twin Peaks might be the best way to say it. It feels very Twin Peaksy to me when you get there. The people are all great, but you can tell that there are just some things off with the way they all see the world because of what they deal with. Yeah. Well, I mean, that prolonged exposure to it, I mean, sort of like we were mm-hmm. saying with some of our psychic medium friends, but that prolonged exposure, even if you're not actively trying to tune into it, that can make you a little bit quirky. It can it can right. impact your day-to-day life. Yeah, when you're just used to hearing things walking around in your house and opening and shutting doors and cabinets and, you know, handprints appearing on your windows and mirrors from the inside, uh, it's, you know, you, you, you just start to get, you know, nose blind to it. It's like people go to Florida and you talk to local Floridians. They're like, oh, you must go to Disney all the time. And they're like, no. Uh, it's just here. That's not a big deal to us, but I can't wait to go, you know, go to uh, see the largest ball of twine in Iowa. Right. I mean, it's something unique yeah. and off putting for them, but for you, it's just, this is my life. Well, I feel a little called out as the native Orlando in here that does go to Disney <laughs> Fairmont. In fact, is actually wearing a haunted mansion shirt right now. So of course, Florida, <laughs> man, I rest yes. my case, your honor. <laughs> the prosecution rests the the travel channel sent along these episode breakdowns and Mm -hmm. the over the course of eight episodes i believe Mm -hmm. right uh yeah we we begin on august 21st we end sometime in mid-october uh so we hit part of ghost tober it's the nice lead up into that era but yeah there's a lot of interesting stories and and interesting threads that tie these stories together that you don't see until you get to step back and look and you realize one kind of pushed you to the next. Well, and that's my question. Like they, we learn of locations in the episode synopsis, such as uh, there's mansions, there's Mm -hmm. a, a encampment that was called the cabbage patch. There's Mm -hmm. private homes and residences. So when all of these things are happening and you're leading the charge, do you approach it as one case? Here's this this residential case and this private person that's experiencing something, or or is it all connected? Is it one massive case with all these little tendrils? So do you treat it individually or do you treat it well, as one I, big case? I honestly believe when we came in, we were treating each one as its own situation. Uh, but then we started to quickly realize we were putting band-aids on 
you know, veins that were pumping from a heart somewhere else. And you're, you're patching up one hole only to have something else blow somewhere else because now the pressure's backed up and building up somewhere else. So we realize that there's a lot going on in this town that is interconnected, interwoven. And our game was trying to walk through it and find our way through the maze to the heart of this issue, this kind of monster in the minds, if you will, to, to face this uh, for ourselves and see what it is that we were dealing with. So you're willing to say definitively that you think all these disturbing cases formed a pattern. Yes. Yeah. And I had to step back sometimes because I didn't want to beautiful mind it, you know, like Russell Crowe's movie where he starts seeing patterns and everything. And I want to, you know, there were times all three of us would, we'd start going down that rabbit hole and then we'd all have to pull ourselves back and be like, okay, is this real? Are we just piecing puzzle pieces that are similar together, uh, trying to create, a, you know, this narrative? No, this is one kind of folds into another one story begets another begets another and you realize that something is directing this activity something was definitely trying to get our attention and i think it would i think it realized at first oh these foolish mortals you know uh they're not picking up on the grander scheme of things here i think we need to up the ante and they did and you know we we get called into town hall at one point because, you know, that's the epicenter. That's where the police and the mayor are. They're the ones that called us in. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, we fixed these three stories. And all of a sudden, well, fine. If you won't, you know, if, if you won't realize this is a bigger thing than it is, then I will shake up your paradigm. And it did. And all of a sudden we find ourselves having to deal with town hall and, and the police and the you know mayor are like we can't have this here this is you know mm -hmm. this is the crux of our city you know, city we we can't have this and um so it's really it, it's very interesting because then you do start to take it into well let's zoom out now let's look at the totality of what we're dealing with and instead of just realizing that these are one-off stories there's something to each one that that shows much broader broad strokes that you can put this story you know together and i think we did i think that we we chased for the most part i think we chased the rabbit into the hole and we caught it um i don't think that that's the end of all activity in butte um but i think that the issues that the big issues they were having right now the pressing issues I think we we're able to get a pretty good handle and understanding on, and that if we get called back in, it'll make it a lot easier because we kind of have an understanding going in. But then again, you know, like stranger things, you think you've beat the the beast the first time around. There's something else just waiting around the corner. And I don't know what that is. And I'm hoping it's, it's nowhere near to the levels, but it makes you really sit back and realize, start researching your area, the histories, the stories, the people that, that, this town or civilization was built on and realize how much of their story seems inconsequential to the rest of us. And all we ever hear about are the, the corporate town leaders, the people that are, you know, city streets are named after, but had the people underneath them not done the work and not put them there, you know, they wouldn't have been those celebrities, you know, those uh, higher ups. Did you, over time, I mean, you mentioned that you have this uh, rather unexpected trip to the hospital mm -hmm. and they were telling you these stories, but 
over the course of this of the filming which i think again i think that was part of the spirit realm putting me there to realize this is a much grander scale than you're even giving it credit for yeah you're not you're not just chasing old legends everything is haunted everything has history here and it's it's demanding to be heard did you get to a point where because it's not a major city it's not a metropolis did you mm-hmm. get to a point where you did feel a little bit like you were part of the town itself like you were seeing outside of the investigation outside of like the filming did you get to a point where you felt like you were part of this town people saw you recognize you you were developing relationships where you were sort of part of it. it that's that's a tough, uh, tough answer because I I think we purposely kind of held ourselves back, Cindy and I specifically, because we just come off of two seasons on a very popular paranormal show, and people obviously recognized us. And then, oh, what are you two doing here? Are you filming Holzer Files? No, we are not. Oh, is there something going on here? Well, that's what we're looking into. And then they tell stories. So we we were there. We were part of their community for quite a while, but we weren't as much in the sense of not everybody knew we were there. And we tried to keep that under wraps because we didn't want things. We didn't want to be drawn to the wrong places. We didn't want to be drawn off task by people that just want to hang out. You know, that's what ghost hunters, uh, Jason and Grant ran into, you know, their first few seasons as their show gained popularity. Suddenly people are blowing up their toilets at home so they can have the two plumbers come and then tell them ghost stories. And, you know, we just did not want to turn into, we didn't want to turn it into a freak show where people are, it's less about the ghosts, less about that, but more about, Oh, I want to meet Dave and Cindy and KD. And, and so we did keep to ourselves. I mean, we did, we weren't hiding. It's not like we were walking around cloak and dagger with ball caps and sunglasses and trench coats. But, you know, I we we film five days a week. Um, we have a couple days off, and usually it was spent resting in our rooms to just kind of get away from it. And, you know, a couple times we didn't even get that. We'd get called out on a weekend because we were at the, you know, beck and call of, the mayor of the town and the police. And if something, unfortunately, everything doesn't happen Monday through Friday for me, you know, for filming, we get a call Saturday night. We got to go out. Mm -hmm. We got to go check this thing out. When you experience something like this, uh, you know, I think a lot about my, the baby steps and the paranormal. And I guess we're still all in baby steps right now. But Mm -hmm. when I first started exploring it, the then and now the evolution of my theories and ideas and it's gotten much more expansive has gotten bigger and and it's made mm-hmm. me think about things from my past with a new lens when you have this experience in a location like butte where it's feeling like everything's connected and it's much larger than one location or two locations or even three locations does it make you look back on your prior investigations and think Maybe there was something bigger there, and I was so myopic, so limited in scope that I was looking at just what was in front of me, but maybe it was all of this. Maybe it was a much bigger spectrum of things. Well, I'm lucky that, uh, you know, stepping into the realm of the paranormal television programming, you know, uh, with the Holzer files, following in the lead of Dr. Hans Holzer after reading his books and then getting to really sink into his files, I... You know, he never called a case closed. 
he realized that we just dealt with one chapter in the book of this location and that other things may reveal themselves over time. And there were points where Ethel Myers and Sybil Leake would go into a location and they would ramble off a bunch of things that didn't match with the ghost stories these people heard or were sharing. So he would denote that and be like, you know what? Once I remove some of the symptoms, you know, like this haunting and and we confront this spirit, will something else, will the real issue rise to the top? And that's what we were running into for two seasons of Holzer Files. A lot of these locations we went back into and felt like, uh, well, yeah, you know, we've never dealt with the woman in gray since, but after that, we started hearing children giggling or this or that or the other. There was always something new added to the mix. And then we go back in and realize there was a story that predated that or, or perhaps came shortly after that. But because this one was such a seeping wound, he fixed it. Now the other ones have a chance to breathe and be heard and seen, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Oh, um, it does. You know, it's like being in a crowd where you've got that one angry man shaking his fist. And until you fix him, then the others can go, well, what about my story? And then, you know, so I, I think coming out of two seasons of Holzer Files, I never expect the story to be fixed. And I know that, you know, when we visit the Dumas brothel and we deal with this story, there's a lot more to this place. And when we deal with this house, there's still a lot more, you know, there's current stories and things that are taking place that uh, could very well add to a haunting. And now that we've removed this peg, will something else step forward and say, I'm here. Now it's my turn to be heard. So it has shaped my my way of thinking in a lot of these stories. And that's why I was really hoping we'd get a, a longer opportunity to dig into Holzer's files because I think we could have gone 15 to 20 seasons uh, and reinvestigating some that we started in season one and two, going back to those in seasons seven and eight to see if, if anything else has reared its ugly head, you know, and, and right. continue to whittle away the chapters of each one of those books. Um, yeah, so and- Butte has got a lot more story to tell. Trust me, a lot more story to tell. And uh, we, you know, the three of us would love the chance to get back in there and uh, see what's going on. And I've, you know, I've been in touch with the mayor and the, the police chief and the, the historian. And, you know, uh, they've talked to me about some other weird stuff. And, you know, if this goes well, hopefully we'll get a chance to go back in and continue to uh, examine this a little deeper. Yeah, hopefully. Do you? Yeah. Do you find the longer you do this, aside from the personal experiences and the personal experiences that might flip Mm -hmm. a switch that you weren't even expecting, just investigative style, are you, are there, are there uh, shifts in how Dave Schrader in 2022 is compared to baby paranormal investigator uh, Dave Schrader? Is there, are there things where you're just like, you know what? I'm willing to simplify this. I don't really need to do this or, or yeah. I mean, just as your tactics, have they changed a lot? Yeah. I I was very heavily into the technology when I started because I liked all the bells and whistles and, and I've gotten to the point where I really like to just go in with my, my recorder and I like watching as KD does experiments and as Cindy does her thing and I like to listen for that voice. And, and I like the immediacy of EVP, electronic voice phenomena. And that, you know, that to me gives us some of the biggest clues to what we're dealing with. 
So I've pared it down because I feel like a lot of the other things to me became distractions. I was so interested in the bells and whistles that I might've been missing the main part of the story. And yeah, I've got a cool stick figure waving at me in the corner, but what does that tell me about this story? What, you know, so I like to be in a location and let the location speak to me now, mm-hmm. be in there quiet and listening and, you know, trying to see if there's clues and, and aspects of the story that with all these other distractions I might've missed, you know, is that, did that book on the table blow to a certain page by accident or is there something there I should go look at? Is there, you know, different attributes to this haunting that, uh, you know, when you're so focused on, Oh, this, this kid's dealing with this, we got to fix this, that you might be missing something else in the house. You know, sometimes family members, spirits, guardians, whatever you want to call them, trying to give you some input. And so I've, I've learned to kind of step back and, and, and take a more of a bird's eye view of a case and then go back in and then step back out as opposed to just fully immerse myself in one aspect of the story. I think when I, when I first started doing stuff, it was all about the teenage thrill of the, mm-hmm. of the graveyard and the spooky location. And then there was the gadgets and trying to collect some sort of data or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and now we're in our then, early twenties, and uh, yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> lies. Uh, and then, and then it reached a point. I think for me, when I do these, when I do paranormal events, when I do investigations, it's, and and I think this might be similar to where you're at. It's almost leaning into the skill set that we do as the job, the day job, the other parts of the day job, which mm-hmm. is interviewing which is active mm-hmm. listening, which is trying to get someone's story, which is being sociable. I mean, would you say, mm-hmm. am I on the right track here? I mean, it's, it is journalistic, yeah. but it's also just, it's listening to someone's story. Is that kind of where you're at now? Oh, no doubt. You know, and that nothing more than uh, when I, when I did the Franklin episode, episode Franklin castle episode of the Holzer files. Uh, something huge revealed itself to me. And I, you know, to be truthful, I don't remember if it made it into the final cut of the episode because uh, the rest of the story was so much and we tried to pigeonhole in everything we could. But, you know, Hans Holzer had been called to this location twice before. um, And every time he came, he came on his own, but all of his equipment wouldn't work. And the third time he came, he brought a medium with him. And things went south quickly, and suddenly the woman of the house threw Hans Holzer out and wanted nothing to do with Hans Holzer, wanted nothing to do with this woman. And he he couldn't figure out what he'd done wrong and what was so upsetting. But listening to the story from D. Romano, it hit me, and I said, D, D, you just told me, because she was opening up, she goes, yeah, you could tell when the woman of the house spirit was there because she would take over mom she would mom's demeanor would change she'd become much meaner much more aggressive and i said isn't it interesting that when hans holzer came there with equipment they could shut down and tamp down the equipment but when hans holzer showed up with a person who could communicate with the dead and and push for answers your mom snapped and turned into a very angry very aggressive woman who cast him out of the house was that really like your mom? She's like, no, you know, come to think of it, that's nothing like my mom. And I think you're right. I think he got thrown out by the spirit, taking over my mom doing this. So 
that came in literally the last half an hour of our, you know, sitting down talking with her. up to that. We had an idea of what had gone on, but there was still that one piece of the puzzle hanging out there. But why did she throw Hans Holzer out after calling him in three times? What, what about the third thing offset it? So it's using that journalistic and the ability to talk and listen and, and start to, again, that's when you start to pull back and you see all the pieces start sliding into place and all that elements of this haunting fleshing themselves out yeah we have a uh, question from our audience which i'm going to bring up it's from mm -hmm. t and roses i will also say t and roses was mm -hmm. revealing earlier that she is enjoying this interview from her bath well i i don't actually know t and roses if you're a male or female uh but you're enjoying it from the bath so thank you i i hope we're good bath time interview uh, but the more you investigate Dave Schrader, uh, more you investigate the paranormal has anything surprised you. I think that's a, that's one that you probably yeah. thought about. I, uh, you know, I went from believing that, uh, the ghost is dead grandma walking around the house to believing that we might be dealing with more time slip phenomena, that we m might be dealing more with fractures of, of, um, your soul of your personality uh you know the this this house we can't figure it out this was grandma's house was when she was a child but we still see her ghost here as a child but grandma died uh, you know 2000 miles away at the age of 98 in a totally different home and we see her shuffling around as an old woman in that home so how does that fit your paradigm dave schrader and i started to realize well grandma loved that home as a child that that was her safe place that was her fun place she had no responsibility she had nothing she was close to her parents she had a very loving close family this is um an element of who she is left behind and in her elder years this was the house she built with her husband this is the life she built and this was the house where she raised her children and all of those great grand memories are there so why wouldn't there be elements of her in many different places and i, I don't believe that it's any one aspect of this, that it's, uh, that we're, we leave pieces of us with people. That's how I can be sitting there one day. And all of a sudden I just get this kind of dejected, depressed feeling for no reason. Everything's going great. And 10 minutes later, Aaron Sagers calls me. He's like, Hey Dave, I just need to talk. And you're like, huh, this is my brother, my friend. We're mm -hmm. close. And before he even picked up that phone to dial me, I was starting to tap in. I was starting to feel him with me, feel the remorse and upset. And then we talk and, and you can feel the change. So I've started to realize the interconnectedness of things. I've started to realize that, that there is no one answer to what a ghost is. And we have to handle each aspect of a haunting in a different way. 100%, 100%. I, I was trying to awkwardly post that on TikTok the other day, honestly, because yes, I'm, trying to uh do tiktok but the i asked the question you know i asked the question what is a ghost at events because i don't feel like there is one answer it's right. almost like it's i almost think at the the 2004 area uh, era when the paranormal reality shows first splashed big with of course ghost hunters and then ghost uh, and then paranormal state and then ghost adventures uh shows that made such a splash they were almost so successful in starting this conversation but all also introduced ideas like 
intelligent residual poltergeist and human and even those guys now when you talk to them they're they their scope has expanded as well but it's Mm -hmm. almost like we're still dealing with those somewhat limited definitions in the mainstream even though the conversation itself has kind of expanded would you agree well, it's like those with that? yeah it's like those christmas calendars where you open up every day and there's a little chocolate in there right what, what are those called um advent advent, advent calendars right. so it's kind of like you see the big picture and you're like oh yeah this is this is a haunting but what, what is this behind this door oh look caramely nougat right and then yeah well this must be a haunting wait oh but behind this one there's peanutty goodness right and oh behind here we've got coconut right so there's different elements to what the what creates the haunting overall i'm a big picture guy here and i like to break things down into story form so that's how i see a lot of these things is that there's there are all of these elements and we went from looking at a big big scale picture of aaron died in this house therefore his ghost has stayed here because he doesn't know he's dead or he wants to tell me where the key to the safety deposit box is or he doesn't want people in his home and it might be something else entirely um you know uh there's the old um philosophy that when we die you know part of us moves on right the best of who we are moves on to that next level heaven only has room for for the best of dave schrader and aaron sagers and the rest stays behind until it diffuses. That's why hauntings fade in time. And I think those those pieces, the the, the garbage that's left behind, the pettiness, jealousy, anger, greed, uh, lust, uh, they're the basal animal instinct of us and why they're not strong enough to, to adhere and stay together for long uh, or powerful. And then that's why they stay in packs at places like insane asylums and and hospitals and prisons you'd think that's the last place that they would ever find a ghost because if i if i was incarcerated and i died in jail i I don't want to hang out there you know that that's that's the last place you're going to find me but that's what's left behind of that person that dark nougat right and now it's collected into a cluster with other things so it feels i know this place i know these energies i can stay here this is my cluster and that's why those hauntings are always so basic boom 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 get out right it's not well hello Aaron. welcome to my home would you care for a spot of tea right it's not this intelligent engaging so it's it's turning lights on and off and banging the walls and screaming and it's just that very raw element and after a while it just goes away I'm sure that big picture analogy was great, but I stopped paying attention after gooey nougat and peanut cluster and coconut. Now I'm just thinking about chocolates. I anything, anything insightful you said after that. Sorry. It just, (laughs) it it went, so you heard chocolate, peanut butter, nougat, coconut. I lost. Yeah, I lost you. Before before I let you go, actually. Keep going. Yep, yep, yep. Um, well, obviously, you have really been a trailblazer. You've been someone that's worked in the paranormal radio space. You've hosted on Coast to Coast. You've had Darkness Radio. You're now doing the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Mm-hmm. And uh, every what Monday is sort and of Friday the, night. That's right. 
Yeah. Say it again. Monday and Friday nights. Yeah. The paranormal 60. You can find me on YouTube channel on my Facebook page. It's a live video podcast every Monday and Friday night at 9 PM central. That's 10 PM Eastern, 7 PM Pacific. And then we release the audio version uh, to all major podcast platforms. So you can listen and take the show along with you. And you can always go and watch the YouTube episodes after they air live. And you paranormal are also 60 going page trader. Yeah. The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. You're also doing the Paranormal yeah. 60 News as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's Friday nights. Uh, a couple of my buddies from Texas, uh, the the you know Paranormal Detective Greg Lawson comes in and reports and does some fun stuff. And uh, my buddy Eric Chachi, he comes on there. And uh, the colonel, retired colonel uh, from the military, comes in and, and tells stories and butchers them mostly. But we have a lot of fun. And uh, a lot of drinking games have been made up on those Friday night shows. So... I, Every time we yeah. stumble over words, you got to throw down a shot or have a sip of beer, and uh, you can have a good time in that hour that we're together. Greg Lawson, uh, which my listeners are familiar with because we had the Rooster Teeth, the RTX Austin Festival, a couple weeks ago, and we did a live record of this show. Greg was on the panel, and then we were hanging out afterwards, mm-hmm. and we had a couple drinks, and Greg was like, okay, I, I have to go. And I need to make certain that I'm responsible so I can go do the paranormal 60 news and drink. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. he had to, he had to stay sober so he could go mm-hmm. drink on your show. So, yes. Uh, it's, so like it. he was, He's, he knows his priorities. That's the important thing. He was being very diligent. Well, let me, before I let you go, the question is sure. with the paranormal 60 with, with Dave Schrader, what is sort of the mission now with the talk show and radio what is radio anymore but with the talk show that you're doing is it are you just looking for stories from people you've obviously talked to a lot of celebrities throughout the years mm-hmm. what's kind of the mission now what what do you hope to get out of it well what I, it's not what i'm getting out of it it's what i hope my audience gets out of it you know the one disconnect that i have had from radio for years is what we're doing right now i i reintroduce the element of being able to sit down with my guest like you're doing and we record these these moments and I can look you in the eyes and we have this conversation and you've been on the other end where you're just doing phone junkets and all of a sudden you're looking up and you're like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta get that cobweb out of the corner. And, uh, what's that? My tooth? I can feel, I think I got popcorn in there from last night and you start to lose track of what you're talking about. Um, and I like being re-engaged and my audience seems to like it that, you know, we have a lot more fun with it this way. We can engage. I do it a 60 minute episode. Very rarely is it a whole hour to one guest unless they've got so much that I need to cover. I've tried to go away from the long form interview and stick with, you know, maybe two, maybe even three 15 to 20 minute guests and then other little segments like our, and I've had you do this, our uh, uh, upon further review where we, I send one of my friends to go back and watch an old horror, sci-fi, whatever movie and report back on, did it hold up? Is it fun? Did you enjoy it? Is it scary in today's you know environment? And we, we look at those things. I've got um, by the book where we, we talk about cool new books that have come out and why you should go out and get, you know, speaking with shadows by CL Thomas. And I'll, I'll bring up the topic of the book and give you a little quick synopsis and a link on how to find it. So it's not a full interview, but a, a few minutes here and there just to kind of break it up for those TikTok value people out there that only want short burst pieces of entertainment and information. So that's what we've done. And, and by we, I mean and, me. 
Uh, Mondays are close to an hour. We call it the paranormal 60, not because I'm 60, because I'm not. Uh, I've still got many years before I hit the big 6-0. I try to keep it to an hour. I'm trying to keep it in that realm. And then Fridays, let's just call it what it is, the paranormal 60 to 120. Uh, you know, I just like to action pack it, that extra kind of burst of stuff. So it can be anywhere from an hour to an hour, you know, 35 minutes. And uh, I, oh, we and got I a lot of people an, chiming in. Yeah. I expect an invite on that one at some point. The, you the, and, and the final, final thing is just what, mm-hmm. uh, obviously we, you know, paranormal pop culture is certainly my beat. And, uh, we've talked about mm-hmm. it a lot throughout the years, what are you into? You mentioned Stranger Things. What are you into right now? TV shows, movies, things that you've really been digging sure. within the uh, PPC space. I'll tell you what I just I just found was the Orville. I'm a huge Star Trek fan, as you know, um, and I kind of held back because I thought, okay, I do like uh, Family Guy and I like the the Seth MacFarlane movies, but I didn't know if I wanted to watch a Star Trekian show with crude stupid humor to it like family guy which i enjoy for what it is but i don't know that i want to watch another genre cross into that but you know i sat down and i started watching it and it's as good if not better than most star trek series that have ever been created there's some there's a couple of you know off-color jokes here and there but as the show has progressed holy cow it's got that vibe of the original star trek um it's got the storytelling the acting I would, and you know, I'm a, a Doctor Who fan. I would put this up against New Who and and Star Trek anywhere because it's. I think it's a beautifully done, well put together ensemble cast and and amazing storytelling. Taking contemporary issues and putting them into a sci-fi deal, just like uh, Gene Roddenberry was so good at doing. Um, I'm also a big fan of like the Alien and Predator movie series. I'm excited that there's a new Alien TV series coming out, and I just saw the movie Prey on Hulu, mm-hmm. which is a prequel of sorts to the Predator series. And it throws us back into the early days of America um, with the settlers and the Native Americans and the Predator coming and uh, this this uh, tribe squaring off against them without knowing what they're doing. And I felt that they really did a great job of kind of creating a new Ellen Ripley character for the Predator universe. And showing the ingenuity with very little technology and what they were able to do. I loved it. Prey is the name of the show on Hulu. So, uh, and of course, Stranger Things has been a fun little uh, diversion. And uh, uh, that's pretty much where I've been spending my time with that, um, you know, uh, in enjoying it, these deals as they pop up. And and now we've got the new uh, season that's starting to kick off of all these great paranormal shows with our show, the Ghosts of Devil's Perch begins August 21st, dropping simultaneously on Discovery Plus and Travel. Um, so I hope people will check that out. And can I give one bit of advice? If you want to save your favorite TV shows, folks, do not binge watch them after they finish airing. Even if you know you're not going to watch them all, you want to record all eight episodes of the of Ghosts of Devil's Perch, but you're not going to watch them until mid-October when they're all done, do me a favor. Within two days, turn on each episode while you're taking a bath or you're vacuuming or you're out mowing your lawn and let it play because the only way that those ratings count is if they're watched within the first 24 to 48 hours. After that, they're lost. 22 million people could tune in in October to watch the series in the reruns. 
uh, or, or all the DVR episodes, it will mean nothing to the network. So all of your favorite shows, watch them within 24 to 48 hours, or at least let them play out. And hopefully that'll save some of your favorite programs. That's right. And a compete and competitive, uh, time of content, uh, the live plus two live plus three it's uh it's all incredibly important and and paranormal 60 monday fridays paranormal 60 with dave schrader uh and you're at official dave schrader on twitter and instagram uh no on instagram i'm official dave schrader on Twitter, I'm the Dave Schrader, T-H-E, the Dave Schrader. And uh, you can find me on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Follow along, have some fun, and and join me. I also go out all over the world and travel, and I've got a trip coming up to Egypt. If you want to go investigate a couple of the pyramids with me and get a chance to do a, a seance in Howard Carter's home, the men that found King Tut's tomb for the 100th anniversary, you can find information at darknessevents.com. That's darknessevents.com. And you'll see all the places you can meet me and hang out with me over the next year. Excellent. Well, the guest is Dave Schrader, and the show is the all-new Travel Channel series, Ghosts of Devil's Perch, premiering Sunday, August 21st at 9 p.m. ET and Pacific Time with the same-day release on Discovery plus and dave my brother my friend thank you so much for your time sir certainly and And i will see you uh, at michigan paracon aaron sagers where we'll be doing a live version of this on stage that's right that is happening that is happening and who knows there might be some spirits with the spirits uh on stage who knows who knows what'll happen but uh all right dave i will see you i will see you very soon sir thank you buddy thank you man And guys, thank you for joining today. Always look forward to talking to Dave. You know, honestly, like this show, I get to talk to new people and I get to talk to friends and I get to talk to friends that are doing cool stuff. And it's great because it's just having a nice chat with people you care about and who who you respect. And I respect the hell out of Dave Schrader. And um, so I want you guys to check out the Ghosts of Devil's Perch on Travel Channel. And uh, who knows, maybe if you are at Michigan Paracon, I know there will be a new episode dropping that Sunday night. I'll be around that night. I'll watch it with you guys. Uh, So let's find a spot and check it out. Now, before I leave you, we're doing something new with Talking Strange. We want to hear from you. We want to get your strange stories. You can either write them up. You can record some audio. Send them to us. We might play it. We might read it in a future episode. Email talkingstrange at denofgeek.com. Meanwhile, don't forget to subscribe. Download each week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And do check out our Talking Strange videos at youtube.com slash denofgeekus. Hit me up at Aaron Sagers on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, and at talkstrange on Twitter. And until next time, you know the words, say it with me. Be kind, stay spooky, and keep it weird.